This is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer powered. Listener supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and and podcast. It honestly looked like someone had just covered things of dough in just splatter paint. And it didn't look like in a cute, artistic, kind of cool way. It looked like a, oh God, what happened here kind of way. Hi, my name is Simran Firwani. And you're listening to That's Food, a podcast by CJSR, Edmonton's UVA campus and community radio station, handmade with love by University of Alberta students, telling the backstory of food in Edmonton, one meal at a time. This is the third installment of the quarantine special episodes, and today we are going to talk about baking. One thing everybody has been doing during quarantine is baking, whether it's different types of bread, banana bread, cookies, or pie. The options are endless. Quarantine has really brought out our creative sides and let us express this in the form of cooking and baking. It's almost as if everyone's baking amazing things to chat for the Great Canadian Baking Show. However, I'm sure you can all agree with me when I say that sometimes our baking adventures might not have gone exactly as planned. Maybe we substituted sugar for salt, or forgot it entirely. Perhaps we forgot the baking soda, and our cake turned out completely flat. That actually happened to me not too long ago. In today's episode, I interviewed nine UVA students about the most extravagant thing that they baked during quarantine, and also a huge and hilarious baking fail that they each experienced. You will hear from Amy Nowakowski, Vaishri Patel, Juanita Nana Pragasam, Rebecca Yang, Jerry Lung, Kevin Ma and his partner John Berubi, Rashma Saraji, Jennifer Tobias, and Lance Villaflor. So keep listening to hear what amazing bakes and crazy hilarious baking fails everybody had during quarantine. My name's Amy, and the best thing I've made in quarantine is a raspberry braid loaf in our bread maker. We haven't used our bread maker in uh, probably at least five years, and so I figured quarantine would be the best time to pull it out and start making some bread. So we ended up making two raspberry braid loaves, and it was actually amazing. My entire family ate it in an entire day, both loaves. So it must have been pretty good. So that's probably the thing that I'm most proud about and the best thing that I've made in quarantine. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Feishvi. Um, So for quarantine baking, I've turned really into a big baker, I would say. And the biggest thing or the fanciest thing that I've baked is a tres leches cake. 
Um, so it's a milk sponge cake um, that is made with different types of milk. So it includes evaporated milk, condensed milk, whole milk, as well as heavy cream. I could be wrong, but I think it originates from Mexico. Um, I've always been a fan of the cake, uh, mainly because it's moist. And even though it has different types of milk in it, it doesn't really feel heavy. It doesn't weigh you down. Um, so this summer I decided to make the cake, but with a little bit of a twist. I've always wanted to make or try a chocolate tres leches cake because I'm a big chocolate fan, like who isn't? So that's what I did this summer and the cake turned out really well. The sponge, the whipped cream, as well as the tres leches were all chocolate or chocolate infused. Halfway through baking, I thought it would be a little too rich because of all the dark chocolate and the milk chocolate that I was adding to it, but it turned out really, really well. I would definitely recommend other people make it. There's tons of recipes online. It's definitely a chocolate lover's dream. If you like chocolate, then this is the cake for you. It's really moist, it's light, it's fluffy, and it's actually a party favorite. So everyone in my family really enjoyed it. I gave a piece off to my best friend and she really enjoyed it. So I would definitely recommend trying it out. Hi, uh, my name is Juanita Nanapragasam. And so the fanciest thing I've baked during quarantine, I actually do a lot of cake orders and I got one for a five-year-old who is he loves like the cartoon Paw Patrol. I guess it's a big thing for kids. And so I baked this, it was I think about a 12 inch cake, double chocolate layers. And I did this cool thing where I used real strawberries for the filling and I've never done that before and baked it and then had the Paw Patrol logo on it and little dogs all over it. And the kid was super excited from what I heard. I couldn't be part of the party because uh, COVID, right? And so, yeah, that was, I think, the coolest thing I've done. Um, and it was really fun to bake the cake because I think, you know, during this whole quarantine, social distancing, it's been hard to connect with folks and see folks. And, and so baking cakes to help people celebrate those milestones in their life has been like a fun way to get people excited and positive and, and just spread some positivity and make people's day. And I was excited to be able to do this for his five-year-old and his family. My name is Rebecca Yang. One of my baking wins that I did was I had a mutual friend who had a birthday and I wanted to make something super special for her. And so I kind of was like browsing through recipes because I'm not really that much of a creative baker just because I'm kind of a mess if I just don't have like a recipe to follow, which I guess kind of is true to baking considering it is a science. But I decided on this amazing Martha Stewart sticky toffee pudding recipe just because I think sticky toffee pudding is like the perfect dessert essentially. And so it's kind of like a date-based one with this really amazing toffee sauce and like I think I spent like an hour making it just because again, I'm a little incompetent when it comes to baking. And I like put all this labor and love into it and it finally came out and I was like, oh my God, it doesn't look horrible. So like, yay. And I decided to drop it off at her house. And I was like, let me know what you think. If it's absolutely terrible, like I take no offense to it. And so afterwards she later called me and was like, that sticky toffee pudding was unreal. She apparently said that her family just raved about it and she was like, we devoured the whole thing. And like, I've honestly never felt more proud of my entire life just because again, I'm not that great of a baker. And I was like, oh my God, I actually like made something that was edible and didn't blow up my kitchen in the process of it. 
Hi, my name is Jerry. So during quarantine, a fancy dessert I made was that I finally got to try tiramisu. I was torn between an Oreo tiramisu or a matcha one, so I ended up combining both because I didn't have enough Oreos to make the Oreo one. And it was the first time I made it, so it was really exciting. I also went full out fancy and I made ladyfingers from scratch, which turned out not the best. They were a little deflated and flat, but they still tasted pretty good once I drenched it in the matcha syrup. It was pretty good. It looked like a potted plant, which was kind of cool too. Hi, my name's Kevin. Hey, I'm John. So we're big fans of like cakes. Well, I'm a huge fan of sweets in general. Um, but for this one, we had we had done a, a birthday cake in the past for myself. What was a multi-tiered birthday cake. So we had actually decided to do another one uh, for, uh, for a birthday we were celebrating. Um, and uh, what we ended up doing was planning out this crazy succulents cake to uh to go for it and the actual type of cake it was so it was a, a yellow cake uh with poppy seeds um because the person didn't like lemon poppy seeds so we actually just took a recipe and modified it slightly from a yellow cake recipe and yeah so we baked the cakes first yeah so the cakes themselves actually took like eight hours uh because we had to make so many tiers um, so there was actually two tiers, but we had like two layers of cakes per tier. Three layers. Three layers of, <laughs> Three cake, layers per of tier, cakes sorry. per tier. And I dropped one cake too, so that we had to remake more batter and do another another batch, which we weren't planning on. But yeah, it was my fault because I dropped the cake and I broke it. So anyway, so the I, so what happened after the cakes is that we had to make um, just the buttercream filling. I believe uh, the type of buttercream we had was we just uh, we just did a classic american buttercream okay yeah, yeah that's right yeah and uh and so we had actually gotten um we went there's a baking supply store in edmonton that's amazing it's just this little hidden spot um that has a really great um food coloring designed for cakes um and so we picked up a bunch there and um the first thing we had to do we actually dyed i think i think we had nine different colors that's of right. buttercream um, and we, uh, we made a bunch of different types of succulents. I think there was like seven or eight different types of succulents that we made all from buttercream, um, with like all the little details, like the little cactus spikes and, and the everything. Flowers the and flowers. Everything like yeah. So that was like the first step where we made all of those. Um, and then we, we put them in the freezer so that they would harden so that when the cake was actually assembled, um, we could just uh, kind of plop them on. And, and then, so I guess once the cakes were all done, we, we assembled it. We just did, um, just inside the cake was a layer of buttercream. So it wasn't mm -hmm. anything uh, too extravagant uh, on the inside, but the cake was just really moist and delicious. And the person who we were baking it for um, remembered poppy seed cakes uh, from her childhood before her mom passed away. Um, and so that was kind of the reason why we wanted to just do a classic yellow cake with poppy seed. But yeah, so we got it all stacked up. It was like a naked cake style and then got all the succulents on it. And then the hours and hours of piping <laughs> yeah. uh, in between the, in between the tiers and we piped, what were those, what were those succulents called? Like the long uh, the, I'm not sure what they're called, but uh, basically we had to pipe on tons of details. Uh, we piped on quite a few of those like vine looking succulents um, just around the cake just to kind of hide some of the minor 
uh, like mess ups we had, but uh, overall it went, it was like a rustic kind of looking cake with uh, succulents on. So it was really, it took hours of work, but it turned out uh, fantastic. I think two days in total yeah. is what we spent on it. And, uh, and yeah, it, it turned out really good. It was a lot of fun. And because we were also like mixing the colors for succulents, so it wasn't just one shade of green. It was like greens and pinks and greens and purples. And um, so going through all of those different colors of, of you know, dual tone, um, dual tone succulents was, was a lot of fun. I'm Reshma. One of the fanciest thing I have baked was uh, upside down pineapple cake. I'm not a baker at all. But it was for my lab's baking group. So basically, I bought this pan, um, the pineapple slices from Safeway. I bought it home and I was like, um, what do I do with this juice that the pineapple is in? So then I, instead of like using water with the batter and all that stuff, I used the pineapple juice. And it ended up tasting so much better. And like everyone loved it. The most interesting recipe I baked during the social distancing period was a black beans brownie. Um, this was actually my first time uh, baking brownie and it was not the conventional one. And it turned out pretty good. I think vegan recipes are pretty on trend right now. I asked my roommate to try and she liked it. And I asked her also to try and guess uh, what it was made of. And of course, she would never guess uh, it was black beans. And I really love this, this, this brownie and more because it's vegan too. And people that have allergy to milk or eggs can also taste it. My name's Lance Villaflor. I think at the start, I've always been really interested in just ice cream, just how it's one of those foods and dessert items that's not really natural in the, in the sense that it's something that's been 100% man-made. There's actually a lot of science that I've learned that has uh, come into it that's really inspired me and I didn't realize how much I'd become obsessed with the process and uh, how much I really taken into it uh, when I turned this hobby into something which I found was the most extreme case. Besides that, it's just been me working with different flavors, um, different combinations of cookies, fruits, purees. And um, in fact, if you want to follow me on my ice cream journey, you can even follow my food account at Lance Makes Food. Now that you've heard the amazing things everyone baked, let's hear the hilarious baking fails. I've had a few baking fails during quarantine, but I think this one really takes the cake. It was my dad's birthday and he really likes creme caramel. So my mom and I thought, let's make creme caramel for him because we can't really go out to a restaurant. It did not turn out very well. I've made caramel before several times and it's always turned out, yet this time I could not make it. I made it once and it was very liquidy. It never turned into caramel and I had no idea what happened. So I just said, well, I'll just make it again. I tried it again and it didn't work out that time either. And at that point, you know, I've been making caramel for an hour and I'm, I, it's just, I'm not having a good time. So my mom decides, well, I think I want to try making caramel in the microwave. And hers actually turned out significantly better than mine which wasn't something I knew you could do in the microwave, but she managed it. And the creme caramel actually turned out not bad. So I guess in the long run, it turned out okay, but I'm not sure I'm ever making caramel again. So my big baking fail for quarantine baking would have to be buffalo cauliflower. 
um, that I tried to make, I think about a month ago or so. It's supposed to be a healthier vegan alternative for buffalo chicken wings. So I was really excited, um, but it turned out to be a huge fail. So from like the flavor to the texture, nothing really seemed to work right for me. I'd roasted the cauliflower for quite some time in the oven, but it still turned out kind of soggy and it had like a doughy taste to it. But I have seen different versions of the recipe online where people have used air fryer or they've um, pre-fried it in the pan or they've used panko breadcrumbs. Um, so I haven't completely given up on the recipe or for making the buffalo cauliflower. Um, and I'm definitely gonna give it another go before I throw in the towel, but I wouldn't recommend the Tasty's buffalo cauliflower recipe because it didn't work out well for me. Typically when I bake, I don't like wrap my cake pops or my cakes. It's, it's usually just on a little board and I hand it over. But now with COVID-19 and precautions, you got to wrap everything, make sure everything is good so there's no cross-contamination. And I baked, I think, 24 cake pops. I dipped them in the chocolate. I thought they were set. And then I put the plastic coverings over them. It was not set though. <laughs> and then I, I went about the day, decorated everything. It was about to deliver it. And I realized that the chocolate had smeared all over the little plastic wrappings on the cake pops. <laughs> and I was like really disappointed. And I was like, damn, can't can't handle it. It was, I think, again, for somebody's birthday or something. So um, I guess I had to take all the plastic off and then like, you know, basically went in by hand and like peeled off the chocolate off of these cake pops and then did it again, put it in the freezer, let it set and then put the plastic back. It took on like another two to three hours. <laughs> so that was not fun, but I have learned my lesson and I have learned to check the chocolate that it's set on those cake pops before I wrap them and hand them over. Um, I'm glad I caught it before I gave it to somebody. It would have felt terrible. Then they're opening this cake pop and half the chocolate covering is just on the plastic. Okay, so in terms of baking fails, um, I have many, many, many of them. But I think like the most tragic one that I have is I attempted to make cake pops one time because I was like, oh, like, you know, when you go into Starbucks and you look at the cake pops, they're super cute. And you're like, oh, I can do that. Like, you know, I can like be that Pinterest girl and like actually like make something super cute. So like I went on Pinterest and I found like this like cake pop recipe and I was like, OK, great. Let's do this. And so you have to get like specific candy coating for the actual cake pops. But I went to like my, my local bulk barn and I couldn't find any of like the candy coating. I just could find like white chocolate. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll just like melt the white chocolate and then I can just like food color and maybe that'll work. Spoiler alert, it did not work. So I like got to making the cake pops and like you have to make the cake pops like really moist just because that way you can't actually get them to stick together. And like, I don't know what happened. The ratio maybe of all my ingredients was off, but like the cake pops weren't just moist. They were like gross and sticky and disgusting. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'll just salvage it by like decorating them super cute in like my white chocolate mix. Oh boy, did that go wrong. So I tried like decorating them to just, you know, make them again, look like Pinteresty and cute and like Starbucks levels. It did not look like that. It honestly looked like someone had just covered things of dough in just splatter paint. And it didn't look like in a cute artistic kind of cool way. It looked like a 
oh god what happened here kind of way needless to say i have not attempted to make cake pops again because i just am truly terrible at just baking and like making cake pops i guess one of my mess ups was i was making a chewy chocolate chip cookie which is probably the simplest recipe that anyone can make once they start off with however when else i normally take out the ingredients and put it on the countertop which kind of like a normal person does and then I was reading it, the recipe on my phone pretty fast, which was kind of like a red flag, number one. I was putting all the ingredients together and just making the cookie like normal. And then I put it into the oven. And then I decided to put all my stuff away. So then I picked up this thing, it's baking soda. And I was like, why did I take out baking soda? I never used it. So then I looked at the recipe again, and then I realized there is baking soda and I just like glanced through the ingredients really fast and I totally forgot about it. But it was too late because all my cookies were right in the oven. So then I just kind of had to like continue on with it. And luckily they were chewy chocolate chip cookies. So having a more denser cookie was sort of okay. Except the texture was a little strange. We tried to make this focaccia bread and instead of just going with the simple focaccia bread just to start, we tried to make it extra because that's who we are. <laughs> uh, so we added uh, Kalamala olives, fresh feta cheese, basil, and, and some cherry tomatoes. And some cherry tomatoes. Um, anyways, while we were baking the dough and, and prepping it, we were like, let's not over mix it. Let's not over knead it, you know, try and keep it nice and fluffy and airy, right? And we followed the steps to a T, but once we got to the actual, like, putting it into the pan, getting it ready to bake, that's where we started to run into a little bit of troubles. It was getting really tough for some reason. I don't know what happened. But... We, we just, like, we got a little too crazy with the toppings for our first time making focaccia. Yeah. And, like, we overworked the dough because, like, in focaccia bread, you have to actually, like, stick your fingers through once you have the dough spread out on the pan. You have to, like, stick your fingers through to the bottom to create that signature focaccia bread uh, texture. And so I think we just maybe had a little too much fun sticking <laughs> our fingers through the dough and just didn't let it rest enough. And, yeah, the dough was just super overworked. Anyways, so we put it in the oven and we baked the thing anyways, but it didn't come out as planned. Yeah, so we tried to follow the instructions for the baking time too, but uh, the first time we took a look at it after our timer was done, it was still kind of like raw. a little bit, a lot raw. Yeah. Uh, and then we put it back in from extra time and like we did it again and then took it out. It's still raw and then we had to do it again. Anyways, after we took it all out, it actually turned out okay. The edges were pretty hard. Like you could probably hit a baseball with the edge of it. Um, so we had to like cut off the edges and just eat the center. And even the center, it was like super dense, like super <laughs> dense bread. But I mean, it tastes, the flavor was really good, but the actual texture of the bread was definitely not an appealing bread texture. On my mom's birthday, I tried to make her a cheesecake brownie. But what I didn't realize was that I had to bake the brownie first 
fully before putting the cheesecake in, or like not fully, but like soft enough so that like the cheesecake can, I can like swirl the cream cheese in afterwards, except the brownie was never cooked. And the cream cheese, once it went in, it was just too soft. And cheesecake doesn't bake on its own. It needs the bread part and like the brownie part. So anyways, it was a disaster. And I guess we just kind of ate cream cheese without the brownie part. <laughs> We just ignored the fact there was brownie batter in our food. My baking failure was a birthday cake I planned for my roommate. Again, it was my first time baking a birthday cake because I usually don't cook uh, desserts. The thing is that the cake didn't rise, so it did not look good as I wanted for a birthday surprise. But I had good intentions though. My roommate loved it anyways and said it tasted good. Like many people during COVID-19, I got caught up in the whole sourdough making phase, you know, making your own starter to make this beautiful artisanal loaf of bread. Except mine just took a little uh, reroute and I ended up making beer. So now what ended up happening in my case was that I left it for too long and I added a little bit too much water when I decided to make one pound uh, batch of sourdough starter, which is totally excessive. You don't need to do, but I left it for too long. And then um, I just noticed that it just started fermenting right because you can feel the heat right the entire container was uh, condensating after a while I decided to do an experiment and leave it out for a few days and it ended up making it's a huge uh, volume of just clear brown solution so I took a sip drank it and it tasted like alcohol and this just brought me back to um, some of my old anthropology notes which I ended up going through was that uh, this is actually the most uh, basic form of alcohol making process and um, this type of preparation of alcohol you can even find in this tablets um, uh, in those uh, Sumerian tablets right um, and in ancient Egyptian tablets of just people taking essentially sourdough because this is how bread was always made throughout the centuries and mixing it with a little bit of water and just leaving it and that just really blew my mind just to find this uh, weird connection. To be honest, would I do it again? Maybe. Should you be drinking it? Probably not. But um, I guess that's just a happy experiment that, that ended up being my crazy baking fail. So um, sourdough yeast, you can also use it to make some uh, weird styled ancient beer. Now it's time for the snack fact. Did you know that banana bread is the most searched recipe globally on the internet during quarantine according to Global Trends? This explains why everybody is baking banana bread. This snack fact was sourced from CNBC.com. And that's it for this episode of That's Food. Thank you to all the students for sharing your stories. Today's episode is produced by me, Simran Farwani. Our music is by Doug Hoyer. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and on our website, thatsfood.transistor.fm. You can contact us at thatsfood at cgsr.com. We are also on That's Food CGSR on Facebook and Instagram. That's Food is produced at CGSR in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. But is it food? That's food.